When did the image of success become so shallow and cookie cutter? It's carefree entrepreneurship, sprawling homes, and curated aesthetics, all wrapped up in a simplified social media post, rife with the latest buzzwords explaining how you're just one manifestation away from the life of your dreams. But building thriving businesses and positioning yourself as a leader in any industry has little to do with hitting these external validations and everything to do with cutting through the crap and getting to work. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, marketing strategist, and your host in this discussion. I've spent decades studying the mechanics of success so I could reverse engineer the process. Together, let's specifically define what success means to you and determine the steps to get you there. With real strategies, exclusive interviews, and game-changing ideas you can implement into your life and business. It's time to go beyond the facade, beyond the posturing, beyond the image to create real change personally and professionally. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. My guest today is Dom Vitale. He is the founder of Arizona Pro Wrestling Training Center. Dom, how are you doing today? Doing great, James. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you jumping on. So I want to like navigate something because you do so many things. I mean, you you run a training center. You uh, have wrestled professionally. Uh, you're a life coach as well. Where did all this, this interest in impacting so many lives in so many different ways really originate from? Um, if I had to kind of pinpoint it to one point in my life, I would say that it really started after I got sober. Um, and that was back in January of 2008. So obviously like part of the recovery process is, you know, sharing your message and in, in, in hopes to instill hope in others. Um, and that, that part of my recovery process, I like, really took to heart and that made the most sense to me. Um, because that's what always rang true to me when I could hear someone else's story and all the stuff that they had overcome and now see them in this super positive light and all the things that they're accomplishing. That's the stuff that really, you know, attracted me to dig deeper into my sobriety and kind of saying, well, if they could get through all that and have this super awesome life, as far as I could tell, um, I want to be all about that. And then as I stacked up, you know, my, my sobriety over the years, I really wanted to kind of really extend that out more and and pass on my message, not just to people recovering from al alcoholism, but anyone in general out there um, that really needed kind of the guidance to get what they wanted out of life. And I know that's for me, that's what I lacked for so long was that guidance piece and really no one to truly look up to that had what I wanted um, until sobriety came into my life. So that's kind of where it all kicked off. And it just kind of snowballed from there into a variety of other different areas. How were you looking at obstacles prior to achieving sobriety versus how you see obstacles today? Because some of what, so much of what you're just talking about was this idea of overcoming things. And a lot of it, I think really begins with how you see the obstacle in front of you. So I'm curious how your own perceptions of obstacles shifted over the last really decade and a half. Yeah, it was really like one of two perspectives or if if not two combined. So one, it was avoidance, just, you know, paint, plain as day task avoidance. If there's an issue or a struggle or a hurdle, I would avoid it at all costs at cost and not even try to, to humor. I would figure, okay, it'll figure itself out. It'll go away, hopefully, eventually. Most of the time, that wasn't the case. 
Uh, but if it wasn't that line of thinking, uh, for me, it, it was putting the blame on other people, other things, other places. It was never my fault. That's kind of the way I looked at it. But now, as my life has shifted over the years, when I when I do run into those hurdles and struggles, those are the things I actually kind of embrace. I, I look forward to the challenge, so to speak, because I've learned over the years that when you face those challenges head on, that's when you get the most personal growth out of them. That's when you learn the absolute most. Yeah, it sucks during the time, you know, when you're dealing with it. And some of that stuff can be, you know, really, you know, painful and time consuming and, and annoying or a variety of different negative emotions. But that's the stuff you have to get through in order to come out better on the other end. And, and also these days, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that everything in my life, whether it's good or bad, is a direct result of me. It's my fault. I put the, the complete blame on me. So anything else, anything that's happened to me, you, you know, from... I was a kid until right now as a full grown adult, anything and everything is my fault. And I can, I can put in the effort and the work and the time to fix those things if needed or improve upon certain things if needed, rather than kind of put the blame on someone else and expect someone else to change or expect someone else to fix it. I like to kind of take the burden on myself now. And obviously when needed with the guidance and assistance of other people, um, but I find, again, that's where I feel that I'm growing the most is when I take full accountability and responsibility for everything in my life and, and try to, to manifest and create the actual life that I want. So what I really like about that is when we do the, the two things you mentioned that, that you, that you were doing, and honestly, we're all guilty of it, which is mm -hmm. when we, when we see obstacles, we avoid them. And try to ignore them and and hopefully they just go away on their own or number two we're so so quick to point the fingers at others well you know it's not my fault the project shipped late this person didn't turn their their deliverable in on time which put me behind or you know it's not my fault that um what pick pick your poison on that one um but what you said is you really adopted this this mantra that it's all your fault. And to be clear, once you do that, you assume entire control because if it's someone else's fault, that's out of your control. There's nothing you can do. If you're mm -hmm. avoiding it, once again, there's nothing to do because you're avoiding it, but saying it's all my fault, you assume complete control of whatever the problem or situation is. And if you have complete control of it, you have the full ability to act to shift whatever it is. So understanding that that's actually a very positive thing, how do you still do that without it it still tearing you down a little bit by saying, well, this is my fault that it happened? Because fault has such a negative connotation yes. to it. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the hangups I always get when I when I coach other people through something like this is, is when I lay that out there, it's it's all our own fault, you know. One of you know we could take that to an extreme on, on either end, and and one of the extreme extremes may be you know someone that may have unfortunately been abused in their life. Technically speaking, yes, the abuse act itself was not their fault, more than likely. However, their response to it is their own responsibility. So you you have uh, you know two different ways you can go about doing it. After you suffer some kind of trauma like that, do you? get lost in drugs and alcohol and brush it down to the side and don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Don't address it and hope that those demons stay sheltered, which most likely they won't. 
Or do you take the steps to actually do something about it to heal properly, whether that's through, you know, professional help or self-discovery or whatever the case may be. We have that option. And at that point, that's where our own personal responsibility comes in. What we also have to remember is, of course, it's going to hurt, you know, especially when we, we think about that, we take on that burden. Oh, this is my fault. No matter what it is, big or small, good or bad, we're going to have those negative feelings associated with that. But again, it's all, it's all about reaction and controlling what we can control. And that's something I also teach quite a bit about is you can be in full control of the things you actually do have control over. And, and most importantly, I, from my perspective, our, our own physical well-being is what we have most control of. Um, so I really, you know, urge that for, for all my, um, all my, 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 the people that I coach is let's put a focus on that first and foremost. So you can actually see that you actually do have control of something. Because a lot of times people just, especially when things are going bad for them and they're kind of lost in life, they they feel like it's completely out of control. And, they, and, and they're and they just kind of at life's whim and saying, okay, I'm just going to kind of wait for things to happen to me. And, and they lose sight of, of how much they actually do have control about what happens in their life and where they go from, you know, right now point A, eventually to point B, which will be much better off for them. This is going to seem like a weird question, but but you'll see you'll see how it connects. <laughs> okay. What, what would you say is the most painful move that a aspiring wrestler has to learn to take? Like, is it a certain type of hit or slam or what's what would you say is the most painful one? So obviously, you know, or maybe not so obviously, because, you know, no one really knows what that feels like until you actually get in there. Everyone assumes that they know, especially when they first come into our our training facility, but you really don't have a full on grasp until you, you get deep rooted in it. And as you go along, you know, in your, in your time wrestling, you do things that are more high risk and from a higher impact. And yeah, those things, you know, definitely take their toll on you. But I like to use the example of somebody that's fresh, brand new, never done this before coming in. The the basic stuff is, is really a physical hurdle for a lot of people to get over. So mm. I'm sure you've seen, you know, wrestling on TV, they're bouncing off the ropes. When mm. you're first learning how to bounce off those ropes or run the ropes, as we call it, that is excruciatingly painful because mm. what those ropes are actually airline cable wrapped in pretty much garden hose tightened as tight as they can be. And you're hitting those full force pretty much on, on your um, like tailbone area slash like your right hip, almost near your kidneys. So a lot of times we do have people that, that's a real struggle for them after they do it for, for, you know, a couple of days or so they're all bruised up across their back. Some of them urinate blood. Sometimes that means they're not doing it properly. So we have to adjust. Um, but it's just super devastating where to the point where it's hard for them to sit down or even walk, but it's, it's, it's like one of those life processes where you kind of have to get through the pain in order for it to calcify over and kind of create that new muscle. And then eventually it doesn't really, really harm you anymore. Um, the second piece being a basic fall in the ring, which we call a, a bump, which is falling flat on your back, mm -hmm. which is completely against human nature. You know, yeah. <laughs> the, the example I always use is if we're climbing the ladder to the roof of our house and the ladder teeters over and we're going to fall to the grass, we're going to try to break our fall. We're going to try to curl up, land on our feet somehow, some way. The last thing we want to do is just full on sprawl, land back first. And that's what we're teaching mm -hmm. people. And again, when you're first doing that, it knocks the wind out of you. It jars your neck. You wake up with, you know, where you feel like you have whiplash and you got to go do it again the next day. So it's a lot of times it's just those really, really basic fundamentals early on that are the most painful 
that make all the other stuff that they learn later on much, much more manageable. So this reinforces my point even more beautifully than I could have ever imagined. And it only further edifies my my sheer brilliance. Um, okay. <laughs> as, as we do any work of development, we're not going to see results. Not right away. It takes a lot of time. And the fact that you know, in, 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 in your career training wrestlers, the basic stuff can hurt so much. You get someone in the ring for the first time and you're having them run the ropes and they get bruised up and they get hurt just by doing the most basic innocuous thing. And they have to go back and do it the next day, but they're not going to see any improvement from day one to day two. And they might not see any improvement from day two to day three or day three to day four, or even week one to week two. But all of a sudden, in week three, four, five, they're running the ropes. They don't have to think about running the ropes. It's just mm-hmm. instinctual. Or, or taking that fall, it becomes routine, a habit. It's not something that they have to endure. It's just another step they take. So the question is, how do you convince someone to continue to do the work? How do you reinforce the work even if they're not seeing the results? Because we won't, especially personally, we're not going to see the results day to day. We only see it when you expand the timeline and we realize that the work paid off. But how do you convince people that there is an outcome to work towards? Yeah, that's extremely hard for our for our newcomers to really get a full grasp of. And I completely understand it because, you know, it's so physically demanding and taxing on your body. And you're like you just said, you're wondering when when's it going to give? When am I going to get this? When is it going to click? And what I have to reiterate to people is, you know, you have to keep the consistency with, with anything, whether it's wrestling training or personal development. You have to keep doing the things that you probably don't want to do over and over and over again. And if you're true to the work, if you're honestly and true to the work, the results will come at some point, but they're not going to come in your time. What I like to say is they're going to come in time's time. And I think a lot of us have the, the audacity to assume we, we deserve to, to, to achieve things on a certain timeline when, you know, a lot of, a lot of the times we, we are not in control of that aspect. We're not in control of when it's going to happen. We're in control of the effort and the work that we put in to actually get there. And I I tell people this on a daily basis, as long as you're true to the work, if you consistently show up and do what you're supposed to do, it's a tried and true formula. I say, look, look to me as an example, because I always like to use that because it's, it's the most realistic example I can get, give. I, I never ask my wrestling students or my coaching students to do anything that I haven't done myself. And I, I always tell them that. And I say, I'm telling you this because it works. It, it worked for me. It's worked for dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of other people. If you can stay the course and do these things, you'll get what you want. It's just very difficult to do that. That's why so many people quit and stop and don't actually get there because they're not willing to do what, what so few others were. And, and that's like when I liken it to wrestling. That's why, you know, there's maybe 80 full-time jobs as a wrestler with WWE, which is the, the pinnacle, the peak of, of our industry. 
they're not just letting anybody in there that's only working half-assed or only kind of sort of trying. All those people that get get those jobs have worked extremely hard for most likely a very long amount of time. And that's what I'm training them for as well, that to, to be able to create those those difficult, hard habits early on. So when they do get that ultimate opportunity, it's nothing new to them. And it just kind of, it's just kind of standard at that point for them. So how does this, like, it's easy to see in, in a professional development context, like, you know, the aforementioned example of, you know, so few spots available within this specific organization. And one must have to go through so much work because it's beyond innate skill. Innate skill only gets you to a certain level at that point. Then it becomes about developing what you can do, developing your abilities, developing your skill set, not what you're born with, but the, the equity that you put in to become extra ordinary. What does this look like for a lot of your personal development clients? What is it that they, and, you know, not, not with specificity, but speaking in general terms, what is the outcomes that they are setting their sights on so that they do have that motivation and that, that momentum that continues to get them to, you know, using the analogy, get in the ring, but get in the ring for themselves. Yeah, I think what it has to do is just the, the constant reminder of of why they even are having these conversations with me in the first place. And, you know, everyone has a different reason as to why they're looking to to improve personally or professionally. You know, some some it's to have a better relationship with their children. Um, some it's to, you know, go into business for themselves. Some it's to be in better shape, whatever it is. And all those all those reasons are unique to every individual person. But what I like to do is is really have those constant reminders of why we're doing the work in the first place, because it's so easy to lose sight of that that purpose and that drive that we initially have that that initial excitement with with anything that we start, you know, whether it's a brand new wrestling student or a brand new coaching client or, you know, if me personally, if I'm starting like some some new hobby, I'm super excited about it. And it's but it's very commonplace. Uh, where you kind of hit that 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 valley where things kind of slow down, you feel like maybe you plateaued, you're not making any headway, and that's kind of where I come into play with it with a lot of my my clients because I can kind of sense that coming on a lot of the times, and we kind of have to recalibrate and kind of go back to basics of where we started, why we had those initial conversations, why we're here in the first place, what work we've actually done up until this point that shows how much we've actually improved because a lot of times. When people are working on like personal improvement, there's so many steps along the way and they're still worried about that end result and being perfect that they forget about all this other great stuff that they've already done up into that point. All this, the, these, these huge, huge improvements. So sometimes we've got to kind of rewind the tape a little bit and compare where they were before all this stuff happens compared to, you know, weeks into it where, you know, relationships have already changed, self-confidence has already changed, you know, discipline has changed, even, even in the minutest form. Um, and when they get a, they get a chance to kind of look back and kind of slow, slow down and go, oh, okay, well, I may not be where I want to be quite yet, but I am light years away from where I was when I started. I'm so glad you brought up the valley because, 
you know, we all experience this valley in in a, a number of different ways. I, I I always think of whenever I hire someone new to my team, we always start at this energetic high. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about how much work I'm going to be able to offload. They're thinking about an exciting opportunity with the new with the new company. And a couple of weeks in, what happens? A dip. Their productivity goes down. Why does that happen? Well, because maybe we didn't properly train them. Maybe we didn't relay expectations of the position accurately enough or bring them up to speed enough on what the culture and the environment that they are about to experience is going to embody. And then on their side, they might not feel they have all the information or the agency or the resources or the support to do the work that a few weeks ago they were very excited to do. And so productivity dips down. They don't know your expectations and you haven't relayed your expectations. And at that point, you hit this dip. And what a lot will do at this dip and what we've done a lot at this dip is we'll fire them or they quit. Right. And then we hire someone new and we start at the top again. And then a few weeks later, then we're at the bottom again, over and over and over again, until at some point we realize that the dip is the opportunity to reinvest. This is where reinforced training. This is where we dive deeper to re-explore what the expectations are, what the workflows like, what the processes are, are, are intact for, what the outcomes need to look like. And all of a sudden, they will re-engage as well. And you're able to push out of this dip. So that's just one example. Like we go through this in our, our own physical development. When we're putting mm-hmm. our body through training, we go through it as we're trying to learn something. We go through it as we're trying to master something. There's always this dip. And I, you brought up such a, a really good point, which is what is the why? Reminding yourself of the why. And what you will find out in the dip is one of two. You'll find out is the why a want? I want this thing, or is the why a need? Mm. I need this thing. And if it's a want, well, you just let let the dive continue until until it fizzles out or until it goes away, and you'll go back to avoidance or, or shifting blame. But if you're able to anchor that why and make it a need, then you're willing to push through the dip. You're willing to ascend out of that valley. And as you start to do that, um, one of the things that I found to be very helpful is, and you mentioned this, is when people start to reflect back and in contrast where they are versus where they started. What advice would you give on how people can use measuring success or even small wins as a way to further propel mm-hmm. their momentum so that they don't, you know, like start to recess back into old yeah. habits? Yeah, I like the, the the fact that you know where you said you anchor anchor it down and, and it create a need, and it goes back to something that I've heard quite a bit as of late. It's when you need something, that's the equivalent of having like a zero options mentality. There is no other option. You you're gonna do it no matter what, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how inconvenient it is. You're gonna keep plugging along until you get it because. Life without it is not an option when you actually actually need it. Um, and I we try to reinstitute that to everybody that again, those reminders, why? Why are you here? Is it is it a fleeting thought or is it something you know deep, deep rooted? 
um, um, India. I, I'm sorry, James, I, I, got, I got off course there. What was your original question now? What would you say is your advice on how people can leverage small wins oh, or yes. reflect back in contrast as, as a right. way to propel that momentum even further? Yeah. And I think what I always try to do is also remind people that, you know, we, we can't just have everything right now. It's the, the small wins stacked over time are what creates long-term success. That's the, that's the, the main point of everything that, that we do. And I, and I've heard this in other places too. And I love this analogy. It's how would you eat an elephant? You wouldn't sit down at the table and eat an entire elephant in one sitting. It's impossible. You eat one bite at a time, one day at a time. And eventually when you look down, the elephant's going to be fully, fully consumed. And it's the same idea in any type of, of, of personal or professional development that we're looking to do, whether it's wrestling or personal life or professional life, doesn't matter. It's those small little bites on a daily basis. They compound over time. It's it's irrefutable. But when you're when you try to take on too much at once and try to to win everything all at once you're setting yourself up for absolute failure. It's not, there's nothing wrong with trying to overachieve, but you have to understand that you're not going to be able to achieve everything all at once. So it's just that constant reminder of the consistency of those small victories to ensure that long-term success. You know, when I'm working with a lot of my clients and they set out these very big goals for themselves, the thing that freezes so many of them is they look at the goal as the elephant to use, to use your example. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> for example, I have someone who's looking to launch their first online sales offer and they're looking at it as one bite that everything from the sales page the email series, the the nurture sequencing, the lead magnets, the audience awareness, the content marketing, all the social media, all of it is one bite. And when you look at something as one bite, it's insurmountable. Can't stomach it. It's too big, right? You can't even break it down. And it's so overwhelming. Thus comes, you know, that, that avoidance mm -hmm. again. And you'll just keep avoiding it. And the more you avoid it, the bigger it will even seem to be, right? Versus, you know, looking at it and say, well, you know what? Today, I'm going to get a Facebook page set up. Tomorrow, I'm going to write out three Instagram content ideas. The day after that, I'm going to get my sales page set up. The day after that, I'm going to get my shopping cart done. And now you've broken this out into bites and those are all exceptionally manageable. And then a week, two weeks, three weeks in, you look back, you're like, wow, I've actually eaten half this fucking elephant. Yeah, it's. I love that because I think a lot of people don't take the time to come up with a strategic plan. And like you said, they're, they're looking to throw everything at the wall all at once and it better stick. And if it doesn't, obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's so many times that's, that's not the case. So again, it kind of comes down to slowing people down. And I, I have to do this for, for myself all the time as well, because I try to get ahead of myself too and try to take on way too much that I probably don't have the capacity for. And, and thankfully, I'm at a point now where I kind of recognize that and say, all right, like you're not Superman. You can only do so much with so many hours in the day, but make sure those hours in your day 
are are as productive as they possibly can or can be. And so what I like to also kind of institute is like this idea of like critical tasks a day. So like you were saying, like, okay, so one day I'm going to come up with my, my Instagram, you know, post for the, for the week. And then the next day I'm going to come up with, I'm going to create the shopping cart, whatever it is set, you know, set yourself these, these specific little tasks that you want to complete on a daily basis. It doesn't need to be a list of 10 or anything like that. That's, that's, I think you're setting yourself up for failure as well doing that. But when you can kind of chip away at it piece by piece, eventually you have this magnificent sculpture of what you were looking to create in, in the long run. Um, and it's just, you know, little here, little there, a couple different things that you wouldn't normally do every single day, but you prioritize them on a daily basis and stack that up over weeks. And eventually, you know, your, your end product is going to be that actual vision that you had for yourself. Throughout this entire journey from your own accomplishments and and overcoming the obstacles that you overcame to growing your your professional business to launching your coaching business what have been some of the most surprising lessons that you've learned along this way i think the biggest one for me is that and this was really hard for me to 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 wrap my head around at first and it actually took someone else pointing it out to me for me to realize it is that a lot of times my expectations of others aren't going to be the same expectations they hold for themselves. Ooh, that's and, a big one. Oh yeah. And I set myself up for disappointment a lot thinking that early on because I was I figured I you know, I have the path for you, you've seeked me out, we can do this and this is what I see for you and it's just going to be so awesome. And maybe somewhere down the line that person or even for the beginning didn't really see that same thing. And at first, I'm, I was just like flabbergasted by that. I'm like, how can you not have the same thought process as me? Um, and that even goes back to like, you know, you know managing people in general um, and finding, you know, realizing really quickly that they're not living up to your expectations. It's not so much that they're not, they're living up to yours. They, they just have different expectations of themselves. And not that it's right or wrong, you know, because everyone has their own, their own perspective on what they should or shouldn't be doing. But you, I really had to learn to separate myself from that and not take it personal and not kind of blame myself for doing a poor job. I'd remind myself, as long as I'm putting in as much effort as I can for this person, it's up to them whether or not they, you know, they want to sink or swim. I can only do so much and, and offer my help, um, but I can't do it for them. And that was another big learning uh, process for me because I... I've always been the, the guy that was always like, don't worry, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. You know, in any, in any avenue that I was a part of, like I figure, well, if I'll, I'll do it because I know I'll, I'll do it right. And I tried to do that a lot coaching wise too, both in the ring and outside of it. And I realized I, these people aren't learning anything from me doing it that way. They, I have to let them kind of struggle and, and learn the hard way. Because that again, we've talked about that earlier earlier in the interview. It's it, that's where the most learning happens is when you mess up and you struggle and you think you can't do it, or even absolute failure and loss. I think that is so important. And that's again one last thing that I that I was a very very big learning process for me is the importance of losing. Losing is probably more important than, than anything on the path to, to ultimate success, because you got to get used to that pain. You got to get used to catching the L every once in a while, 
no one's going to go through this life unscathed. No one's going to go, you know, get through without, you know, with some bumps and bruises along the way and nothing's going to go to perfection. That's just not, that's not logical and it's not practical and it's not reality. And the sooner we can come to that realization that we are going to royally fuck up over the course of time, probably numerous times, the better off we're actually going to be. I've had to learn that lesson myself, um, what, what, what you were just laying out. And I've had to learn it really in two different ways. One as, you know, the first level was more more as the, as, as the shocked coach where it's like, how can you not want this? How could you not work hard for this? How can you not be pushing yourself to achieve this? And the realization was that I can't want someone's success more than they want it for themselves. Right, right. And then that that came with also with the realization that everyone measures it differently and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with someone having a different moniker for how they evaluate fulfillment. But then the second version of this was when I realized, and, and you said this yourself, we can't work harder than our clients do mm-hmm. that right there. Because I was the same. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I can get this done for you. Let me hold your hand on this. And at that point, we're doing the work for them. They're not doing it themselves. They'll never, one, understand it, or two, appreciate it to the same degree as if they learned how to do it themselves. And thus, we've kept them from actually being coached. And we've kept them needing to be coached. It's it's a very, very backwards relationship. And and it's 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 really a freeing thing as a coach when you're able to move past that, because I think all coaches do, uh, the longer they coach, and you're able to actually help your clients learn the steps themselves and navigate the work themselves so that they are the ones growing. They are the ones advancing. Uh, so I'm so, so grateful that you brought that up. Where where can listeners go to learn more about you, whether they want to check out the your wrestling school uh, or check out some of the, the personal development coaching you've been doing? Where can they go find you and all the great things you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I'm mostly active on Instagram uh, at Dom Vitali. Um, so that's where I kind of spend most of my time and you can kind of catch up with most of the, the stuff that I'm doing. Um, at Train in AZ is actually the Instagram page for our, our wrestling school. Um, so you can kind of get a little bit of a sense of, of what the athletes kind of go through there on a nightly basis, some of the physical demands that we put them through. Um, and as far as the coaching goes, if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about that, they can go right to my website, domvitali.com. Uh, you can find all the information there. Uh, and if you are in need of some, some weekly inspiration, um, I do have a podcast. It's called Knucklehead Podcast. It's on all streaming platforms. Um, and that's that's more uh, where it's not wrestling based, but I do use some wrestling analogies in, in real life situations. But it's more so kind of giving everybody a little kick in the ass every Monday to kind of get their, their week off to the right start and kind of drop a little bit of realism in their in their pocket and, and you know kind of tell them how it is and what they need to do to actually change their life to to pursue personal excellence to be the best version of themselves. These little these little intricate details and little pointers that I can kind of offer hopefully on a weekly basis that someone can utilize and kind of carry on into the next week and continue to be better. So those are the main places where you can find me running my mouth and doing my thing. And and again, the, the plain and simple, just trying to make, you know, everybody just a little bit better. 
I absolutely love it. And we're going to make sure all those links are in the show notes and definitely encourage the audience to check it out. Dom, absolutely a pleasure. I'm so, so grateful that, that our, 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 ecosystems connected yes. uh through so many so many um <laughs> uh degrees of separation and, exactly and just, yeah just came together it was it was truly uh uh hilarious how how that all happened and and just mm-hmm. so so grateful that we we finally have been connected and for all the amazing work you're doing thank you so much thank you james i appreciate everything you do uh not for just for myself but for the industry and you are you're quite the asset for everybody so thank you for all you give Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.